as we look at this uh, verse here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. Paul said, For as often as he eat this bread and drank this cup, he do show the Lord's death till he comes. One of the greatest sermons preached is not the one that comes from behind the pulpit. It is the one preached by Christians in their participation at the Lord's table. What is the substance of the proclamation Christians at the table of the Lord? And that's what we're going to deal with tonight. What is the substance of the proclamation of Christians at the table of the Lord? We've got seven points. What does it do? What does it show? What's the purpose of it? Number one, it proclaims afresh the vital facts of the gospel. So, Brother Bill used to teach us, and I believed him. It's an opportunity for women to preach. We preach in several ways. We preach orally by preaching. We preach by the stands that we make. We preach how we deal with people and situations. Paul wrote of those facts as 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just a few pages over. Beginning with verse 1, Paul said to the church of Corinth, Moreover, brethren, you notice the second word is brethren. The Lord's Supper is not for lost people. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Now, when he say, Moreover, brethren, before we call a brother a brother or a brother of the brethren, we are to have seen some evidence of salvation. So when we have a visitor, we don't invite the visitor to take up the Lord's Supper. I'm not at one if they're set in and they protect it you know, we've already told them that it's for our local body. So it's nothing more than unleavened bread and a small portion of fruit of the vine. So I don't get excited about that. A lot of preachers do. But as uh, long as we declare that the Lord's Supper is for the local church, the reason it is is the same reason that 
I had rules for my three children. And I wonder why everybody else didn't have them. But that wasn't my responsibility. I only had responsibility to set rules for my three. I only have responsibility to see that we carry out the Lord's Supper the way that God directs it in his word. So he said here, And moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. I believe verse 1 makes it very clear that he's talking to saved people. Furthermore, he's talking to saved people that is walking in truth. How do I know that? He said, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. There's many people that receive the gospel. They walk the aisle, we baptize them, but they were never saved. I don't know who they are. You don't know who they are. But I can tell if a church member is faithful, if a church member, uh, you know, is part of the body, we pretty well can tell if that person has a way of life. On our bad day, we would probably question any one another. But as a way of life, that Christian is going to be different than the other person. God said, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. It seems that after a while, a lot of people forget what they said they believed. They have a hard time keeping it in memory. Oh, I remember. Five years ago, I said I had repented. Five years ago, said I had put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Five years ago, I was made sure I didn't do some of the things that I did before I was saved. That's what it means to keep in memory. Also, to keep in memory the reason you're taking the Lord's Supper. It is because of what Jesus Christ did. That he died for you, he's buried for you, he rose for you. So a lost person couldn't do that because they're not saved. They may have a head knowledge, but don't have the saving knowledge that comes from the Lord. Verse 3 says, For I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It's important, I believe, unless it uh, absolutely preacher is not able to handle that, you ought to have a pastor or an ordained man setting up the Lord's Supper. He says that, for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We believe that our Savior died, was buried. Stayed there three days and three nights. So you figure, ask yourself, how many, how many hours is that? How many days would that be? 
certainly couldn't die on Friday and be raised Sunday morning and be scriptural. And then the fourth verse said uh, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's why that we, we believe and stand on the word of God because we can back it up with the word of God. It was three days and three nights that he was in the heart of the earth. So as much as you like Good Friday, you don't have to work. But if you like Sunday, you let the kids hunt Easter eggs. You know, that's a tradition. A man certainly got nothing to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The second point, it preaches. It preaches. That's when I say that the ladies get to preach and some of the powerful preaching is not what comes from the pulpit, but what comes from our lives. You know, because if we got 30 members and there's 30 people out in the community, if we got children in school that are saved or in, in college or workplace, you represent Christ. So the second, the Lord's Supper preaches that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what he says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans 5 and verse 8. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what is so important about that verse? He did not wait till I proved myself to love him and want to serve him before he saved me. He saved me knowing I had no ability to change. It says represents. So it's, it's a personal. My participation in the Lord's Supper says that he died for me. When I was lost and undone and condemned, he took my place, died in my st- stead. That's grace. When I pick up that unleavened bread, why does it have to be unleavened? Why do we go just an extremes to not to go to the bookstore and get those little whatever they are? Did I use them? Did Brother Bill use them? As far as I know, some churches, independent churches, still use them. But if we have the ability to make the Lord's bread as close with not having any leaven in it, that's our responsibility. So that's why that we go to extremes, as some people would say. The third, it affirms that faith is alive and well in the midst of the unbelieving world. Every time we gather together for the Lord's Supper, we're telling, we're showing forth, I am still saved, I know I'm saved, I love the Lord, 
And although I'm not perfect, I'm striving to be more like Christ. But, you know, that's uh, what is important. It affirms that the faith is alive and in the midst of the unbelieving world. When Jesus comes, will he find faith? I wonder sometimes. But when I drove back to the Bible, he said he would. So it makes no difference what I wonder. If Christ was to come back today, he will find some out of a multitude, how many are in the world, he'll find some that's still striving to do what's right. So it affirms that faith. You know, I don't understand personally, but that's between you and the Lord, you know, how that uh, a saved person would not want to take the, the Lord's Supper. As I said, I was, when we had early service, we would, uh, you know, eat, have Sunday school and church, and we'd eat and then have service. And so I made the Sunday night free. And I went to this church. And he was taking, they was taking the Lord's Supper because I didn't take the Lord's Supper. They didn't offer it to me. But one of the men who was helping with the Lord's Supper, I noticed he didn't take the Lord's Supper. Me personally, that's between him and the Lord. But if you're not able to take the Lord's Supper, you ought to tell the pastor. Because if you're going to serve, and it's an honor, you ought to be saved and know you're saved and in the will of God. But the reason we don't make those stands is because we're afraid of being embarrassed. We're afraid of everybody coming up and asking why. But that's a personal question. I only thing I ask, if I ask you to help with the Lord's Supper and you don't feel like you want to or you're not ready, it's no problem. Because it's a personal. It's personal. But if you've been a member of a church Then, you know, this is always the favorite when I privately ask the person after I notice they didn't take the Lord's Supper a couple times, and I ask them why. You know, is there something I can help you with? And they say, well, I'm not worthy. Of course you're not. I'm not either. But our worthiness is who we are in. I'm in Christ. So if, if I'm saved and I know I'm saved and yes, I sin, but when I sin, I ask God to forgive me. I don't sin habitually. I don't have a sin, you know. I don't go out and do something or in my house, you know. We, we go out and say, well, people go out and sin, but now, you know, they'll bring it to you. You know, 
you can get about anything you can go out to get, they'll bring it to, to your house. But still, the point is, it affirms that faith is alive and well in the midst of an unbelieving world. To take the Lord's Supper is an honor. It's something that you are to strive for because, you know, but nobody makes you to, I've never asked a person after service, I've seen you didn't take the Lord's Supper. But when a person is a member of the church and does not take the Lord's Supper for several times, there's a problem whether they realize it or not. Number four, it testifies that Jesus is alive. This is the distinctive characteristic of Christianity. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. I know he's alive. He's not in that grave. And I know that when I pray and I ask God, you know, that is, I didn't give my prior answer, not because he didn't hear me. I wasn't ready for it. See, God don't give us everything we pray for because if he did, well, I'll, I'll speak for for myself, if he gave me everything I prayed for, it's hard to tell him what kind of mess I'd be in. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know his grace is sufficient. So when I take the Lord's Supper, it testifies that Jesus is alive. This is a distinct characteristic of Christianity. Those who serve Buddha and Hindu and all these false gods, all they got is a, a statue. But I have a living God who lives within me because Jesus said, when I go back, Tony, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been in me for over 50 years. And have I grieved him? I most certainly have. But I know he's there. See, when you can do wrong as a way of life and it don't bother you, let me tell you, friend, the Bible says you need to be saved. Because when God lives inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit, he teaches you. And a little sidebar. Is God going to teach me one thing about the Lord's Supper and Sister Brenda something else? That's why that we're going to have some difference of opinion. You know, you ask a five-year-old a question and you ask a 12-year-old and you ask a 21-year-old, you're not going to get the same answer. But when you ask three adults, they may express it a different way, but it's going to be, you know, it came from the Bible. I mean, no Christian that's been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, is going to say 
by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm saved because I belong to such and such a church. Because I was saved from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday night to the following week before I was ever baptized. Because God saved me that Tuesday morning on the way to work. Yes, he saves people in the car. He saves people anywhere he, he wants to. But see, other religions claim their prophets. But where is Mohammed? Where is Buddha? They're dead. They're dead. But notice in Revelation chapter 1, this is some simple teaching, but we need to hear it. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18. God says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. He has the keys of hell and death. Hell, in this particular verse, one of the meanings is grave. He has the keys of that. So my wife died right on time. If she had been in Georgia, we'd been in the Smokies, wherever we would have been. She brought her last breath because only God has the keys to life. It is God that giveth life. It is God that takes away life. See, our problem is not trying to get to the point where we won't die physically. Our goal is to get to the point where we can enjoy to some degree that time that we have. You know. He arose. He ascended. He's seated. He's seated. He reigns. When you look at Revelation chapter one and you know and verse eighteen, as we, we read, it said, you know, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, never will die again. Amen, so be it, and have the keys of hell and of death. So he arose, he ascended, he is seated, and he reigns. He's seated at the right hand of God, making intercession. He's my lawyer. He's my lawyer, see. You don't ever want to go to a lawyer unless you have to. But if you need one, it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have one that that is honest. And, you know, our lawyer is honest. And that's what Jesus is at the right hand of God. Every time I do something that is questionable, he's up there accusing. Pardon his hand. Jesus pleads my case. He's covered in the blood. 
then the next thing that people think, or people say, maybe none of you, well, if this case is true, then I can sin any time I want to. Well, you want to know whether you're really saved? It bothers you when you sin. It bothers you. <laughs> but see, that's, that's why that you have to watch out, and we can take the good old television, how we get used to it. I remember when they just say a bad word, you hear a beep. Well, now, if they did that, all you would hear was beep, 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 beep. Because people got used to it. But see, you ought to question yourself. Do I, am I getting used to sin? Evidently, they are because, you know, it, it shows that over 50% of Americans believe in what they're practicing now with the homosexuality and the gender changes and all that foolishness. Number five, it presents the truth that Jesus is not aloof, but is working, reigning, and interceding now as our great high priest. Now, we, we use the, the term here just a second ago, lawyer. Now, look with me in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. God said in Hebrews, the 7th chapter in the 25th verse, He said, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, <coughs> seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Every time the devil accuses me, my lawyer intercedes for me. Yes, you're right, devil. He did do that. But I paid the penalty. Is it that simple? Oh, have you heard the fact that God chastened those he loves? You're not going to lose your salvation because you're sin. But you're going to lose some joy and you're going to lose, to put it in human steps, man, if I just been a 30 minutes earlier, you know? You remember when they used to have that, uh, I don't know what, it, what it's called, but Walmart on Christmas Eve, the Saturday before Christmas Eve, get up at 4 o'clock, whatever time. I don't have all the facts, but they maybe have one television out there, you know? Everybody sits in line because they think you're going to get it. Oh, if I'd just been earlier. Well, God said here, right here in his word in 725, 
he said, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, to speak for them. Is that not what a lawyer does? We're paying him two or three hundred dollars an hour, let him speak. But Jesus not only forgave us of our sins, but he's going to defend us from the time we're saved till he raptures us up. And the Lord's Supper represents that. Number six, it declares to the world and encourages fellow Christians with this promise. He is coming. That's the promise of, of God. He's coming. He don't tell us the time. But if we continue to have three, four, or five more days like we've had, we know fall is going to be upon us. We know there's going to be some more hot days, dry days, rainy days. But, when the weather starts changing, we know that winter's not far off, summer's not far off. He said right before he comes, things are going to get worse and worse. I can't imagine it getting much worse than it is now. But we know it's, it will because he said it would. And that's one of the reasons I believe in a pre-millennial. I believe before things really get bad, Christ is going to say, come up hither. Now there's others, like some object name, that believes in the mid-trib. They believe that you're going through the first three and a half years, but the second, he'll take you out. I don't because the Bible teaches me God has not appointed his children under wrath. Anytime that we have wrath in our lives, it's because we did not stick to the stuff. We bring our wrath onto us. God, you're trying to help. You know, he's... Uh, having financial problems. And you look at it, you know, he, he makes this and his wife makes this and, and both of them together, you know, don't mount to that much and they got a house payment, a new car payment, a new truck payment. I said, who sold it to you? You know. But there's a world out there that will sell it to you. So what if you run that new car for 10 years or 8 years or 7 years? But what he don't understand, what he didn't understand and can't understand, but we're working every day. Well, Jesus also gives us that 
instruction in the book. But when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we need to be reminded. So we need to take the Lord's Supper more often because that reminds us what we have in Christ. That few moments when we take of that unleavened bread that represents the unbroken body that was willing to be broken into pieces. Perfect blood that was shed for us. So it's just normal to me, common sense to, to me, if we're going to have something that represents his body, it can't have any leaven in it. It just can't have leaven because leaven represents sin. And it can't have any alcohol in that blood. And I know people but Jesus made wine? Sure he did. Me and Herschel, my brother-in-law, made wine. But when we put that in the jar and put it in the cellar, it wasn't wine then. It turns into wine. It ferments. It sours. Goes through a process. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God's blood didn't go through a process. It was shed drop by drop, pure, sinless. So it declares that the world and encourages fellow Christians with this promise. He's coming. Not the time, but the fact of it. God doesn't tell your pastor when he's coming, but he tells me he's coming. And he gives us signs when he's coming. Be a great falling away. Man, I don't I passed three churches coming over here. Two of them meets on Sunday morning. One of them meets once a month. The other one is a party church. You know, you sit out in the parking lot and listen to country music, jazz music, whatever music. It's an entertainment center. He said, you're judging. No, no, when I called the waiter and said I won my steak medium well and there's blood running from it, I'm not judging it. I didn't get what I ordered. God sent his son. It's a reputable of the father. And lastly, it states the judgment is sure. That assurance grows out of the fact of the resurrection. And he gave us a prime example. Lazarus was dead. He was dead. His sisters, you know, they got upset at the Lord and said, you know, it's four days, Lord, the body is then begin to, you know, deteriorate. You could have been here. 
But he said, Lazarus, come forth. Come forth, Lazarus. And the only thing Jesus said, let him go. Take the grave clothes off of him. Let him go. You know what that symbol of? When we take the Lord's Supper, those elements, we're taking elements that represent the pure body and the pure blood. Now go and serve him until you come back again. And we'll do this all over because humans need to be reminded. You know, I was, every time I'd go outside without telling my dog that I'm going outside, she barks, you know. And I said, Ella, I told you I'm going outside. If she hears that, she doesn't bark. I'm serious. The problem is that getting her to hear you. God has the same problem, if he had a problem. We preach it, we preach it, we read it, but we can't retain it. I don't care what the emergency is, you still got to do it God's way. And in the book of Acts, chapter 17, Acts, the 17th chapter, and verse 30. God said, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed, listen, he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he had raised him from the dead. That's how we know that we're going to heaven because they killed him but they couldn't keep him in the grave. And we're going to die but Satan can't keep me in the grave. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. Satan can kill me if God permits. They ain't bury me, put the old body in the grave. But Tony will never go in the grave. And that's why I, I told Mr. Wire, I said, I was pleased with the job you done on the body that my wife lived in. But she's in glory. She's in glory. Because she heard the word, believed the word, and God granted her repentance in your life. And that's the same way that you can know. You know. She's not there. People, people are, are really 
can be really cruel without meaning it, you know. You know. You go to that grave site and, you know, it's according to who you listen to, where's that? You know, you, we have to realize there's a worldwide flood that took place. We really don't know where ever, everything is now that it was, but I don't worry about those things. I know where Jesus is now. He's at the right hand of God. And I believe I know where my wife's at tonight. She's making a part of the bride. See, it's a win-win situation when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And all the Lord's Supper is, it's just a beautiful way that we can reenact through taking that unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine that says, we will never die. I mean, I wouldn't want to take this body, you know, uh, It was it was a little little amazing. I finally got me an appointment with such a regular MD, you know, and 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 the MD said, uh, uh, "What is really wrong with you?" I said, "You don't have time for me to tell you all those things." I said, "I I want an MD because my heart doctor says that I need my blood checked regular and my." You know my sugar and all that old stuff. So, but I, I said this body, if it don't have problems today, it'll probably have problems tomorrow, or next month, or next year, because this body is dying. It's dying. But the one who lives inside is wanting to get out. That old body is not yet. Think about it. And I encourage you, not only this, but any message I preach or teach, if you don't understand any part of it, I'm here to answer it. And sometimes the congregations, God blesses them a little more in some areas. But a good pastor will never get upset if he's corrected. But you've got to use this. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you, Father, for the privilege 